All right, what a weird game, right, Ben? We were just talking about how the Vikings snuck away with another victory, the sixth straight one-score win for these Vikings, and Kirk Cousins has doubled down. Not only did he put on every chain that uh, Vikings teammates have on the team flight, he then started to put on watches, sunglasses, and took the shirt off on the team flight home. Um, Where does he go from here if they beat Buffalo? (laughs) Um, The mind wanders. And a grill. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, I, I suppose that's better than the alternatives. Uh, you know, I, there's not really much more you can do, I guess. Um, you know, he, I guess he has, he has doubled down on the, you know, sort of dorky dad vibe thing. And his teammates enjoy it. They're, they're soaking it up. This would not, have been what we would have seen from him a year ago. And I, I think even today a little bit, everybody was kind of asking him to do the you like that thing after the game and kind of trying to say, hey, didn't this one mean a little more to you to, to stick it to your old team? And whether it did, whether it didn't, I I think it, it probably did more than he would let on. Maybe not as much as some, certainly maybe not as much as Patrick Peterson thought it did last week for the Cardinals, but I have to imagine this one probably was was sweet for him to to come out of here with the victory. And frankly, this is a seven and one team that has won a lot of close games. the The knock on Kirk Cousins over his career has been in the big moments he folds, and they're down seventeen seven with fourteen fourteen left, I think. And he gets sacked. He threw a a pick six on that next drive that got called back, and then. Had taken a sack. They're on. A, they got a first down and somewhere in this sequence, but they're third and seven when he lets one fly for Justin Jefferson. He gets hit in the chest and throws a perfect pass for 47 yards beyond former Gopher Benjamin St. Juice, who was a big factor in, for a lot of reasons in this game. But we've heard so much about when the moment gets big, Cousins wilts. That is not what we've seen this year really much in the last two years I, I when all of the, the close and late kind of situations he's been in. So, yeah, I, I think for him to be able to come out of this and say, I, I provided another piece of tape to suggest that some of the narratives about me are half-baked, I, I imagine that had to be nice for him to be able to do. When we keep hearing from these guys in the locker room, that we're, we still haven't put together a complete game or our best game yet. Yeah. And they keep sneaking out these wins. So when you talk about Kirk showing that he can at least bring this team back and be part of why this team is winning, not part of why they're losing, um, he himself could put together a complete game too, right? They went six punts and uh, the interception between scores in this game, their first two scores of this game. And it, that it's a reason why Taylor Heineke was still in it and, and a certain referee. I yeah, say. <laughs> yeah, what a what a twist that was. I mean, Steve Patrick, the back judge, I think trying to get out of the way, but as Cam Bynum put it, he played free safety better than I could. I mean, that was the best OPI we've seen all year. I mean, he takes him out of the play. Classic pick play. Well, yeah, it was it was fantastic. I mean, he takes him out of the play. Curtis Samuel steps over him, then basically uses Bynum and Harrison Smith and Patrick Peterson's momentum going the other way. Yep. to be able to get around them to score the go-ahead touchdown. I mean, when you 
I guess you let teams hang around. You're not being able to put drives together enough to take the game out of reach. You run the risk of something like that happening. That is a pretty weird way to have it happen. But, yeah, they had a lot of things. I mean, a lot of moments in this game. Looking up a number of different things afterwards, they had four plays all day on first down that went for more than four yards. That's not good. That's not good. Uh, And that meant a lot of second and long. And a lot of third and long, which is not a good way to operate, especially when your offensive line is having as much trouble as it did against a pretty talented front. They did catch a break there in the, in the sense that Chase Young didn't play. So this could have been even more difficult if Young had. But they did not do a lot to make things easy. And then you had Adam Thielen had a couple where it would have been tough catches. but Justin had a straight-up drop on yes. a deep ball Yep, down here. Yep. So there, I mean, there were a number of those things where that's just execution and and guys that have fairly accomplished resumes in the league not being able to get it done. So this was a lot of things on offense that didn't go terribly well, and some of the play calling stuff too. The tight end screens, like the tight end screens, may need to go. Um, <laughs> Even the running back screens, none of them were working. No, none of them were good. And, and I think O'Connell had talked at one point about this season about being able to send plays to the waistband and take the red pen after him if if Cousins doesn't like them. And, and that's probably not something Cousins has said about those specifically. Obviously, they keep coming back, but uh, to the extent that he cares what we think. Um, that would maybe be a suggestion, a note of the tight end screens, maybe give the red pen to those. Usually that's something you turn to when you're trying to slow down an aggressive rush that's really getting after your quarterback. Cousins hit nine times, sacked twice on top of that, took 11 hits in that game, including the one you mentioned from Deron Payne where he uncorks the 47-yarder. He got leveled and had to miss one snap, and that was only not because of injury but because of league-mandated rule that if there's a stoppage in time, you're not going to get awarded or taken a timeout there, but you do need to leave the game. Um, and that's what he had to do for just the one snap where they bring in Nick Mullins and then go to a screen and then go to a screen. Exactly. Like, what are you doing? Not even just running the ball. You have a great backfield. Just hand the ball off. What are you doing? Um, it seemed a little cute. It did. It did. And and I think that was really though the, the, the pressure in the interior line, certainly at Ingram, woof, that was like the weakest part I think of this offense and why so many of those drives short circuited on them. Uh, and Dalvin Cook averaged 2.7 yards per carry, which is a season low. Yeah, it is. We we should note in that that there are two carries towards the end of that where Cook is intentionally trying to lose yardage so they didn't score. I mean, O'Connell said after the game, that was the directive from the side. We were in a no-score situation, as he put it. Not quite sure why the commanders didn't let the Vikings walk in. Now, I guess Cook was going backwards anyway, so he probably would have said, fine. We can sit here, and if you don't want to touch me, I'll, I'm happy to waste more time. I like the visual of them trying to pick him up and carry him out of the end zone. Yeah, that would, that would have been pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been dragging him forward. <laughs> that would have been fun. Um, yeah, kind of a weird game entirely. And the reason they were able to do that is because John Ridgeway jumps from he did not line up over Andrew DePaula, the long snapper, but jumps in and, and plows DePaula over. The commanders were upset about that because they said that's the way we've coached that play. We've coached that technique, and that's supposed to be okay because the rule typically is that you can't line up over the long snapper and then probably can't interfere with him. I think they their contention was that we didn't do that. But the call comes back, and, and probably Vikings fans would say, you owed us one anyway. Yeah, yeah, offsets the luck of a ref taking out our safety, turning a takeaway into a touchdown for the opponent. Um, that. 
That is, and it left a lot of Vikings defenders. I overheard people, you know, not like I was interviewing them, just guys yelling to each other, saying, you know, how much they shut down this Washington offense and saying that they could only score on a fluke like that and, and saying, what what was that ref doing? And Cam Bynum mentions um, the ref playing free safety better than me, but he also mentions that I've that's the first time I've ever been angry on the field. And Cam, as we've covered him for only a year and a half, super docile, yeah. quiet, calm, even kill guy. I believe him that that was yeah. the first time he was angry. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty generally pretty uh, happy guy, at least from what we see. So yeah, that I mean that was one of those that I mean you go from not only is it we lose a chance at an interception that turns into a touchdown. I mean yeah, quite a big moment in the game and really changed the whole momentum of the game. It did. It did. And I asked Harrison Smith afterward if he's ever seen anything like that and he goes, "I don't want to get fined. I'm not going to comment directly on it, but I've played football for 30 years and no, I've never seen anything <laughs> like that." And for him to be able to say he's played football for almost 30 years took me aback a little bit. I was like, "Holy, what?" <laughs> yeah, I suppose. I mean, if you go back to being a little kid, yep. that's um, a lot of years of playing football. So, TJ Hawkinson comes in. I didn't think I don't like anybody thought that he was going to play almost every single snap. Um, it, what a Vikings tight end hadn't done all year in multiple ways, play every single snap pretty much because they'd keep piecing these guys together between Johnny Munt and Irv Smith and then catch a 19 yard pass right out of the gate, which was the longest catch by a Vikings tight end this year. And he does that on Kirk's second throw of the day, lining up outside, running a post route underneath the safety soft coverage. That's the kind of stuff that they could set up all day. And I, a big reason why Justin Jefferson said after the game, we can be pretty dangerous with this guy. Yeah, I agree. I, I think you, you could see his presence pretty early. And I, I'm with you. I didn't think he would – I thought he'd play more than they let on. I you know This seems like it always kind of goes this way. Everybody says, so we're just going to have a couple packages for him. Like They're trying to get him up to speed. They want him on the field as much as possible. The thing that Cousins brought up after the game, and I think other players said it too, David Blau, their practice squad quarterback, spent a lot of the time – getting Hawkinson ready when Cousins had to be in other meetings. And the benefit the Vikings actually had there is Blau played with Hawkinson the last several years in Detroit. So you have a scout team quarterback that can translate things awfully efficiently. I mean, that's kind of dumb luck. You don't plan for that. But it's a nice benefit in the sense that the guy that you're spending extra time with to get up to speed in this offense is a guy that you have played with and caught passes with before and he can now be the one to help kind of say, well, this is what you're familiar with. This is how this works in this scheme. So kind of a one of those sneaky little things that, you know, you, you figure it comes down to the, the big-time players on Sundays. It, it does, but in games that are this close, I mean, those types of little things do matter, and they've done a good job of, you know, as Cousins said, quoting Al Pacino today, finding the inches. Yeah, Hawkinson doesn't commit a single penalty, catches nine passes for 70 yards, three of those passes going backward on those screens, but that means he had 78 yards on six of those catches, really dynamic down the field, involved in the play-action game too, showing, I think, just the depth that he had in this game plan. Um, and for a guy who's been on the team for five weeks, or five days, excuse me, not five weeks, five days, um, Kevin O'Connell said he was amazed at how much he retained so quickly and yeah, T.J. Hawkinson will continue to be a big factor for them moving forward. And for them to, to come away with a win here where I don't even think Justin Jefferson had his best day. No, uh, I would agree. He had the drop, and then there were just some contested catch, catch situations where St. Juice, who you mentioned, had won a lot of those spots. Well, the, the one in the end zone that we're staring at down here, I mean, Cousins threw a couple balls where it's, I'm going to give you a chance on a 50-50 ball to go up and take it away. He had a touchdown on the other end of the field. People can't see where we're standing, but just trust us. 
at a touchdown on the one end of the field on a play with St. Juice had pretty good coverage, and then the one at the end of the first half, Cousins throws it up. O'Connell said that was the look we wanted on that play. That's the look we were hunting. I have no problem with him throwing the ball. He said I'm proud of him for throwing it and giving Justin a chance, but he said his coaching point was that's not the last play of the half. It's not a Hail Mary situation. We had a chance to kick a field goal. But, you know, I think generally you, you say, well, let's give this guy a chance to make a play. St. Juice had pretty good coverage there. And on the long one, he was the one to chase Jefferson down, which ended up taking Cousins out of the game for a play because Cousins said he was laying on the field thinking, I, we probably scored. So that oh, that's why he was laying on the field? That's what he said, I yes. assumed it was because he was in pain. Well, he said he knocked the wind out of me, and I thought Justin probably scored based on him being behind the coverage and thinking he's going to finish the play. So he said when when somebody told him that he no he got tackled at the 10, it was, "Oh, shoot, I should I need to get up." And he said I could suck wind and run down the field and get us ready to go, but I took too long to get up. So then when the medical staff comes out, by NFL rule you have to come out of the game for a play. He said he was probably fine to go back in and when Mullins was there, he was standing on the sideline waiting to go back in, but yeah, the <laughs> The not realizing he didn't have time to lay there and catch his breath while his teammates celebrated was why he ended up having to come out of the game. Yeah, and that was the first snap Cousins missed in a game he started since November 2020. So it had been a minute. This is obviously somebody that usually plays through quite a bit. And today he had to play through a lot of pain uh, because he was taking hits left and right. Uh, the good thing is, though, this Vikings defense showed up. I thought their Vikings defensive line was just as dominant as Washington's defensive line. Yeah, I agree. At times. Without Davon Tomlinson, too. Daniil Hunter had two sacks, his first multi-sack game, and uh, I think since last September, uh, uh, September of 2021. And you have Harrison Phillips, Darius Smith, a lot of those guys getting after it. And I thought uh, Tonga, the, the backup nose tackle that came in, had to play a bigger role yeah. with Tomlinson out, also did fairly well. Um, they could not handle the Tonga. They could not. They could not. So that was a good sign to see that Hunter seems to be kind of finding a groove a little bit. And, and O'Connell talked about that the week before in the Cardinals game, saying he felt like he kind of started to pop and show a little bit more in this defense. And if you get both of those guys healthy and doing what they're doing, uh, I'm not going to predict a win at Buffalo, but it, it certainly would help. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the defense played awfully well, given the fact that you're missing Tomlinson, given the fact that Cam Dantzler went out for a decent chunk of the game with a neck injury. Um, well, he had the ankle today. The neck was this week. Yes, thank you. Um, he's getting an MRI on his ankle tomorrow. O'Connell didn't sound terribly optimistic that they'd have him next week, which is frightening for them given the fact that you're going to face Buffalo, who's going to be looking for a big rebound after losing to the Jets today. And Josh Allen was apparently dejected yes. after – Losing to the Jets. Yes, so you're not catching them on a on a look ahead week. No, you're not. Um, and Allen got banged up a little bit at the end of that game. I assume he'll be fine to play. But if he's not, their backup, Case Keenum, storylines, Stephon Diggs, storylines galore with this one. Keenum to Diggs. How is this a noon game? Not that I'm arguing for different because we like our deadlines being nice and easy. I don't know how this is a noon game though. Yeah, it's it's going to be a great one, uh, and especially one that the Vikings don't even need. No, they don't. I mean, really. The Packers lost to the Lions. Yeah, I mean, there is a scenario, and and I threw this out on Twitter, and all of the fatalistic Viking fans who thinks I just think I just jinxed the team 
we don't have that much power as sports writers. <laughs> we really don't. Um, and I don't think I was even the first one to say it. Probably but not. they there is a scenario where they clinch the division Thanksgiving night. If the Packers lose the next two, the Bears lose their next two, which means one of those to the Lions. And then the Lions, after beating the Bears, lose to the Giants and Buffalo on Thanksgiving Day. The Vikings, if they win the next two, can clinch Thanksgiving night. That's a bank shot. At 10-1, and one, you're saying they can clinch? Correct. Okay. Yeah, that's a total bank shot. It's probably not going to happen. But the fact that – the point of it is the fact that we are talking about clinching scenarios <laughs> by Thanksgiving night. I was joking with Kevin Seifert from ESPN today. I said the question is, will the Vikings have the division clinched before ESPN rolls out its playoff simulator, the playoff machine – to kind of give you all of the, hey, if this happens and this happens and this happens, these are the, these are the scenarios. The Vikings may have the division wrapped up by the time that thing goes live. So, yeah, it, it is remarkable how strong of a position they are in in the division. And you want to be the number one seed. You want to have the bye if you can get it. And they have work to do there, given the fact they're chasing the Eagles, who beat them in week two. But they are in remarkably strong position to figure all of this out as they go and have a great chance to be at worst the number two seed just to entertain the conversation of what's at stake and what the Vikings are playing for obviously you know they got to play to actually lock up the division but that just seems like a foregone conclusion at this point um I'd read somewhere that the Eagles schedule is just paper soft and I wanted to pull it up to double check it so they are eight no right now Philadelphia they host Washington on Monday night football next week they go to Indy, yeah. they host the Packers, okay. then they host the Titans. Yep. That might actually be the that toughest game. That might be game. the toughest one. Then they go to the Giants, to the Bears, and then a tough one at the Cowboys, and then they host the Saints and Giants. So there's not boy, oh boy. another game on there where you're like, you know, if you're, if you're Philly, you're not worried a whole lot about locking up a number one seed at some point through there. Um, you know, their division's weird. And obviously those divisional rematches are always weird as the Vikings and Packers know when they typically split them. So who knows what's going to happen, but the Vikings will have plenty to play for moving forward. And at seven and one, it's remarkable to see that you're looking at a back-to-back, probably the toughest stretch of their schedule, back-to-back games against Buffalo and the, in the bills or Buffalo and Dallas. And you're looking at that going, you can go and two and it might be fine. You're looking at the Super Bowl 27, Super Bowl 28 portion of the schedule. Look it up kids. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I the last time there was a Super Bowl rematch <laughs> in back-to-back years, I believe. Maybe one of the only times. <laughs> anyway. Like we, we, do we really have to do this a second time? We know this is going to go. The last one was 52-17. to 17. We don't need this for a, another time. But that was uh, that was the last of the Bills' four Super Bowls was that second one against the Cowboys. It's been a lot longer since the Vikings were in a Super Bowl. It has. Uh, Jimmy Carter was the president-elect the last time. Oof. Well, We'll have to check in with you guys next time and see just where this ship is going to turn, if it's going to steer that direction against the Buffalo Bills. They can really make a statement game and prove themselves in that one uh, next Sunday. We will talk to you guys Wednesday from TCO Performance Center to preview that game and talk about all the storylines around the Minnesota Vikings.